What's up, producers? Welcome back to the EDM podcast. My name is Sam Matler, and today I'm joined by Oliver's. He's a dubstep producer from the UK. He's remixed artists like Mozstep. He's been on UKF, uh, really making some moves. And I wanted to interview him because I love his music. Uh, so if you don't know my background, a big reason I got into electronic music production initially was uh, genres of music that I don't really want to talk about, like Eurodance. But then following that, dubstep uh and the older dubstep so scream koki benga all that kind of stuff and so i have a soft spot for that kind of music when i heard uh oliver's music i was blown away because not only does it fit the the kind of modern time but it also has those original elements we talk about that uh we talk about a few things actually we talk about his background in his story we talk about uh trying to build a career and a brand as an artist even though he comes from a small town through the internet and I know a lot of you are in that situation and you're kind of wondering do I need to move to a new city do I need to move to LA uh, how do I go about doing this so you want to listen up for that we talk about workflow creative block schedule uh, quite a few things so hope you enjoy the interview now one more thing to mention is we have launched the new version of EDM foundations if you don't know what EDM Foundations is, it is a course for beginner to, let's say, beginner intermediate producers. If you've been producing less than, say, a year and a half, it's probably going to help you. Uh, a course for beginners, and the goal of the course is to help you master the fundamentals of electronic music production by making four songs in four weeks, or completing four projects in four weeks. So I walk you through the creation of three songs, and then you work on your own original song. This new version is getting a lot of great feedback. It's a massive improvement on the last. If you want to learn more about this course, just head over to edmfoundations.com. And if you have any questions, let me know by emailing me, sam at edmproduct.com. Welcome back to the EDM podcast today. I'm joined by Ryan, better known as Oliverse. Ryan, how's it going? Yeah, man, good. How are you doing? Good, good. Really excited to have you on the show. Uh, hadn't heard of you until Connor linked me your stuff and it was awesome to hear some old school vibes coming through in your music. So let's take it all the way back to the start. How did you get into music? What is your background? Yeah, cool. So I'll start from the very beginning pretty much. Um, I started playing, well, I was always into music as a kid. And then when I was about seven or eight years old, I started playing guitar. Um, and then started like, I was playing guitar for like a good few years. And then that kind of introduced me to like rock stuff, uh, like as it naturally would. Um, and then I got into like sort of post hardcore stuff and like sort of like heavy, heavier kind of rock stuff. And then sort of transitioned over to dance music. It was through a band called Enter Shikari. Um, they incorporate a lot of like electronics and stuff into the like sort of I was kind of hearing like sort of dance stuff through them but I went to go see them for the first time in 2009 and they had um they had some guys called True Tiger opening up for them who were like dubstep DJs um I'm not too sure what they're doing now actually but yeah I'd never heard dubstep like before so my first time I like, experienced it, it was live so after this like half hour set they were playing I think I remember they played like Sweet Shop by Dr. P it was just as that came out and I was just like, after the set, I was like, oh my God, this is like, 
insane. I want to get into this because before I was like sort of dabbling with um, Mixcraft, like recording like guitar demos. So I was like, I was like, surely there must be a way to like make this through software that's similar to that. And the next day I kind of Googled it. I was like, oh my God, you can do this on your own. So um, yeah, I was still in a few bands and stuff at that point, but I was kind of just doing that on the side, like kind of getting into it. But yeah, it just all started from there really. And then I uh, started putting like a few things out online just under a different alias. And then um, it all built up to 2015 when I launched the Oliver's Project. So what made you launch the Oliver's Project? And actually before that, where does the name come from? Yeah, so the name, um, it's a combination of my last name and the word universe because my last name's Oliphant, which I thought was quite a, it's quite a weird name. I've, I don't think I've ever met anyone with the same, same name, but um. Yeah, it's just a combination of them two words. Um, but I started it in 2015 because um, when I started first making music, sort of around 2009, 2010, um, I was only 14 at the time. Um, I made like a YouTube page and I called it Curious Control, which is like the most horrible name ever. And I got, it got up to about 2014. I had a few label releases going and like it was kind of building up a bit more and everything was gone out under this name, which I absolutely hated. I hated when people like asked me, like, oh, what, what do you produce under? So I was like, oh God, yeah, to this. Well, I got to 2015, I thought, right, I'm going to just start a fresh year because I was quite reluctant to do it. Cause it's a bit daunting kind of starting something new. Um, but yeah, it's the best thing that i ever done. <laughs> I'm glad i done it. So you start that in 2015. What was the first sort of big release that you had? Um, the first big release for Oliver, um, it was probably the Mountains EP, which came out in October 2015. There was a track on there, Wormholes, that Excision picked up, um, and he played it for his whole uh, Paradox tour. Um, I'm not too sure he got hold of it actually, but yeah, he was playing that quite heavily, which was, uh, which was pretty great cause it, it got a lot of attention sort of my way under the new name. That was kind of the big sort of turning point. And I was like, I'm glad I've changed my name now and it's, it's kind of coming back around. It's building up again. So yeah, but that was a big release. And then I didn't hold it down as well. Just after, um, Tosoki done a remix of it. Um, and that got picked up by Skrillex and he played that for a good year or so. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the first few big releases after the, the initial start. So you've recently done a remix for Mode Step, really great remix. Uh, how did that come about? I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I saw the remix competition got, um, got put out from Monstercast. Um, and I don't know, even if there's like songs that like, I was quite a big fan of the original song and I thought I'll just download the stems and just have a flick through. Cause I've got, I've got a bit of an obsession with like downloading stems and just going through and like picking apart all the different parts even if I don't intend on doing anything with it but yeah I heard it and I was like oh this this sounds quite cool so I started like playing on with a few ideas um and I got the remix finished up in about a week's time um and I was kind of sat on it waiting for like the um the closing date for the entry so um yeah I, I actually sent it over to Monscap before the uh because I know the A&R guy over there and I sent it over to them saying like I've like finished this remix. Um, if they'd be kind of interested, it's, uh, release it like alongside the winner if if they liked it enough. And I don't think they were too bothered to start with, but 
I think once mods step ahead at the um they're quite enjoyed. I only just found a clip actually the the other day they checked out on um they've done like a live stream listening session. Um and I watched that the other day and <laughs> the reaction was quite cool to watch when they first heard it. Um <laughs> But yeah, after that um, about a month later I got an email saying that mine had been picked as uh, the as a winner, so got the release. Which I was over the moon about. <laughs> Now you said in one of your emails that you come from a small town, there's not much of a music scene there, you don't know many producers locally. A lot of people listening to this show are in a similar position. They live in that small town, there's not much of a music scene, not much of a production community, and they're forced to either move location, they think that that's the solution, to move location, or to build their career online. What advice would you give to those people? Because I get emails every day uh, say, asking me, should I move to LA? Should I move to Amsterdam? Can I really make it where I am at the moment? What would you say to those people? Yeah, it's quite a tricky one because um, I don't think I've really got advice, but the way that I kind of done it is um, a lot of my friends through school, um, when I was in bands and stuff, would put like band nights on, but um, like I'd DJ them as well. So it was kind of like a it was more of like a DJ performance rather than like playing in a club where everyone's kind of just in their own little circles with the back to the DJ kind of thing. It was a full on kind of performance. So like, um, I got a lot of like Facebook, um, a lot of my Facebook likes and stuff through people from school. Cause that's, that's the best time to do anything like that. Cause you've got like so many people around you at school, um, just kind of like build things up. Um, but yeah, in terms of taking it from there, it was just a matter of just keep on putting music out online and then, uh, like send it around to blogs and YouTube channels as well. I got quite a lot of a lot of traction in the early days from YouTube channels. Um, I've done a remix. It's probably not even worth going back in and listening to, but I've done a remix of uh, Party Rock Anthem about two weeks before that went to uh, to number one. Um, I think that picked up about half a million plays on Tron Dubstep before that got closed down. But that was that was a big um, that was a big push. So. It's quite difficult to tell how it works out now, but back then it was kind of just looking at what songs were about to pop and then trying to get a remix out as quick as you could kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's just sort of, it's just sending music out to labels and YouTube channels. And if they say no, just send your next track to them, next one. Cause if they don't like the first one, they won't necessarily just kind of ignore you and push you on side. They listen that much stuff. They're not going to remember that you've sent something before. <laughs> What I often say to people is make sure you have good music first before you focus on all this other stuff. Uh, there's no grand strategy that's really going to help you unless you have a good product first. The other stuff, the marketing is important, but you need good music. Yeah, definitely. Cause I think um, out of like the few producer friends I have, I'm not very well networked. I don't really talk to that many producers. And I've always kind of believed in that Like, if the music's good enough, people will come to you and in the last few months since I've done that mode separate remix um, and a lot of the stuff I've been putting out recently, a lot more people have been coming to me. So it's kind of playing out that way and showing that it is true that like if the music's good enough, people will come to you eventually kind of thing. So what does your schedule look like? Do you have any routines or, or systems or habits that help you stay productive in the studio? How much time do you spend producing? Give us the details. Um, yeah, well, I've, um, I still have a day job at the minute. Um, I work for local government doing uh, like marketing. Um, but I also do some like video production um, and little odd bits and bobs for them. Um, I do that like 30 hours a week. So that's quite a lot of my time taken up with that. But 
um, yeah, every night after work, I'll just sort of come home and just try to do as much as I can, but I don't really try to force myself too much because not much good comes from when you force it too much. So when you're having a night where you're just not feeling it, you're not feeling up to making music or you're not feeling the vibe, do you push it aside? Do you not worry about music for the whole day or do you push through it or do you do something else entirely? Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I play um, I play quite a lot of PUBG at the minute. Um, <laughs> so if I'm not doing production, that's what I'm normally doing. But sometimes I'll just kind of have Ableton open and I'll just start like flicking through some presets or I'll start like sorting out uh, like sample libraries and stuff. Um, it was only last year, actually. I, I had a big sample folder and it was just like drum samples and then other samples. And in the other folder, it was like vocals and effects. The other one was just drums and it was just an absolute mess. So like I took a good chunk uh, sometime last year just to kind of like clearing that out and just pulling out the stuff that I do use. Um, so if you ever like kind of stuck in a row with production, that's a good place to start sorting out your samples because since I've done that, it's just like, it's night and day because if you've got a smaller sample, uh, a smaller set of samples to work with, you get to know them a bit more um, and you can kind of just keep keep reaching for the same ones, but not in a bad way kind of thing. It's just familiarity. We kind of touched upon it just before, but do you get creative block, writer's block, and is there any other way you deal with it beyond just setting up sample libraries, organizing that stuff? Um. Oh, it's quite tricky actually, because I, I do get I do struggle with writer's block quite a lot sometimes. Um, touch wood, I haven't been too bad recently. I've uh, I've been on a bit of a roll with ideas, but yeah, I think it's just I think even if you get like the smallest, stupidest idea, just getting it down in Ableton or whatever you use, and just saving it is a good idea. Because sometimes you kind of just sit there, not like you'd have an idea in your head, but you think, oh, that's not good enough to like do anything with it's worth just getting it down and then getting it saved at least and then you might come back to it one day and it might sound totally better or you could fit it into something else that you're working in so it's just good to kind of keep on your toes a little bit and just try to keep active if there's no ideas just the few tiny ideas that you do get just just get them saved a lot of new producers put a lot of pressure on themselves to always make a song when they open up their daw i think this mm-hmm. is good to develop the habit of finishing uh, I think that's really important. But at the same time, there's something great about just opening up Ableton or Logical FL or whatever you use and just mucking around and seeing what comes out of it. I think in my experience, that's where the best projects have come from for myself has just been that loose, no pressure kind of production session. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's like with the uh, the Afterlife remix that I put out last year. Um, I had my very first show coming up and... I was playing with quite a lot of rhythm guys on there, which I quite like rhythm, but they were totally like underground rhythm stuff. I was like, I'm going to be the odd one out here playing all like the sort of, uh, sort of like the main stage dubstep banger kind of thing. So I was like, I'm just going to make like a quick, quick little flip. And I was quite liking um, Afterlife by Chami. So I thought, you know, I'm going to make like a, a rhythm like version of it. So I like loaded the the track in and started playing around with the bass line. Um, and it wasn't until I tweaked one tiny thing in Serum, it turned from like a rhythm bass to the bass that's on like the final one, which gives it like the old school sound.
those who don't understand, can you quickly explain the difference between rhythm and dubstep? Oh, controversial. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, rhythms are more, a lot more kind of like a lot darker and the sounds are more kind of metallic. Yeah, kind of like moodier and grimy, whereas I think the old school stuff's got a bit of that in, but yeah, the sounds the sounds are kind of more like sound more like analog. It's kind of smoothed over a little bit. Um there's a bit more of like a housey vibe to it sometimes. Um and a bit more musicality as well, which is kind of why I've been drawn to it so much recently. But yeah, that afterlife remix just came out as a total like total fluke, <laughs> really. <laughs> But that was from just playing around. What does your workflow look like then? Is it just uh, putting down ideas and seeing where they go? Or is there certain things that you always do? I'm curious. Yeah, it's um, it's different um, a lot of the times really because sometimes I'll just kind of sit down and just think, right, today I'm just going to work on sound design. Uh, sound design. I'm not going to bother trying to get like full tracks done today or like, work on mix downs because I get carried away with mix downs sometimes and which is good but you can't get carried away too much but yeah sometimes I'll just sit and um just make bass sounds all day I'll make pads and just save them all so that when I have got ideas I can just kind of pull them out and I've already got stuff to work with um but yeah a lot of my songs kind of start from just playing out chords on a piano because I normally start with the melodic bits first um but yeah, there's no set way really. Those are the main, the main two really. But yeah, sometimes, sometimes if I'm having like a sound design day, I'll just make a sound that's like too cool to just kind of leave for another day. I'll just be like, right, I need to hop on this now while it's like it's fresh and I'm, I'm excited about it. So, do you tend to separate your sound design sessions or sound design work from your uh, writing or production sessions? Sometimes I I do it very rarely sitting down just making. Uh, basis. I, I kind of mean to do it more often so you can kind of think about what you're doing a little bit more but quite recently I've just kind of been making the sounds on the spot kind of thing which I do find quite hard sometimes because I'm not a I'm not like a huge expert on sound design um I feel like a lot of the time they're just like happy accidents and it just keeps on happening over and over again <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's all sound designers so yeah I'm, I'm trying to convince myself that too <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, yeah, a lot of my sound design's kind of done on the fly a bit, but I do quite like just kind of putting putting a few hours aside just to solely work on it because that's when you do find the the new little tips and tricks that you wouldn't necessarily find if you're kind of in a rush just trying to make something for a, a set song kind of thing. What would you say has been the most challenging part of your journey so far as an artist? Um, I think the most challenging part is probably when um probably when I left college and started kind of like full-time work um it was just such a, a shock to the system because when I was in college it was just kind of like three or four hours a day I think the longest day I'd done was like five hours or something um and then once I was home it was just like right I've got all the time to make music in the world and I kind of I think once I started work I, I didn't really appreciate what I had kind of thing um because when I first started working it was 37 hours a week it was like a full full working week so I was just like it was a massive shock but in the last year or so I've started like working part-time so I only work four days a week now rather than five so um yeah it's definitely been time management which has been the, the hardest thing recently and it's it was kind of annoying because a lot of my friends 
I've always done music full time and then managed to kind of like make something out of it before they had to move on to getting a job. Whereas it's, it's took me a bit longer. So it was quite frustrating looking around like, oh, all my friends have got like all day to make music and I'm trying to squeeze it in on a night kind of thing. But yeah, it's paying off. It's, it's getting there. <laughs> Is there anything about the music production community that kind of gets on your nerves or frustrates you? Because I know back in the day, I was the guy spamming my SoundCloud link anywhere. That's not happening as much anymore. But is there anything that you kind of see and go, hmm, that's not very good? Um, hmm, not re- not massively. Because um, I, I go on the EDM production subreddit quite a lot. Um, I, I like to read through there sometimes, but I feel like on there, there's a lot of, a lot of kind of people trying to enforce rules of production when there really aren't many. It's like, oh, you should do it this way. You should do this that way. That's wrong. This is right kind of thing. I don't like that side of it because at the end of the day, if it sounds good, it sounds good. Can you think of any examples of that? Um, People saying that you shouldn't clip your master. There's people who will, will just tell you like, oh, going in the red bad. Don't do it. It's, it's terrible. But um, I only just found out if, um, probably sometime last year that... Um, Clipping your master, you can get your stuff like way louder than you can if it's limited. Um, but you just got to kind of use your ears because if you can hear it clipping, that's when you can kind of back off. But if it's in the red, just don't worry about it kind of thing. What is coming up for you in the next zero to 12 months that you can talk about? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm just kind of work. I'm working on an EP at the minute. Um, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to collab with a lot of vocalists at the minute. Um, it's kind. I'm kind of trying to get more vocals in my tracks at the minute because it's kind of lending to the sound that I'm going for. Um, so just that at the minute, and then hopefully just doing some more shows and stuff. Um, because I've only just started doing shows in the last year or so. Um, but yeah, just trying to get more shows across Europe at the minute, and then eventually working towards like a US visa and all that jazz, really. But yeah, just trying to get this EP finished at the minute. Do you think this older kind of dubstep? Uh, is making a comeback because I see it becoming more popular and I'm wondering what you think of that given that you're more involved in the scene than I am yeah definitely um, I think especially guys like uh, Chime and Myro um, they're all kind of bringing that sound back but yeah when I, when I started making that kind of stuff it wasn't really like an intentional intentional move because the Afterlife remix that I'd done that was kind of the the start of it really um, and I almost didn't release that because I just listened to it. I was just like, oh, this sounds too old. This sounds too dead. But yeah, I don't know. Everyone seemed to enjoy it. But yeah, I think it's definitely making a comeback. Just some some people are like bringing it back more obviously than others. But yeah, definitely like the influence of the older stuff, like kind of like the shuffle, shuffle tie hats, more like musicality. Yeah, it's definitely coming back. It's good. It's refreshing. <laughs> well, Ryan, thanks for coming on the show. Been great chatting. Uh, finally, where can people find you online, check out your music, all that kind of good stuff? Yes, so Facebook, SoundCloud and Instagram, it's all Oliverse UK and then on Twitter it's just forward slash Oliverse.